I've been trying, and the older you get, the harder it is. But I have been trying here lately, the last little bit, to really start memorizing Scripture again. And the Lord has really been gracious. Uh, let me just encourage you when you're young to memorize as much Scripture as you can. It's easier to memorize Scripture when you're younger and your mind is crisper and <laughs> when it starts getting some cobwebs up there, it's a little harder to do. But Psalm 61.2 was my verse this week. And it was, it was my memorization verse this week. And I'm glad that we get to, to preach on it tonight. And so when you find your place in Psalm 61, if you'll stand with us tonight, out of respect for the reading of God's Word, if you're able to stand. The Bible says in Psalm 61.1, and we're gonna, we may turn away from this just a little tonight, but if you would be sure that you hold your place there or put your Bible ribbon there, because we're going to go back there time and time again tonight. Psalm 61.1, the psalmist David said, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. Notice verse 2. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the covert of thy wings, Selah. For thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy name. Thou wilt prolong the king's life and his years as many generations. He shall abide before God forever. Oh, prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. So will I sing praise unto thy name forever that I may daily perform my vows. You may be seated tonight. Tonight's going to be day and night different from this morning. Tonight's going to be a lot more like a lesson. And uh, this morning, there's no way to, to uh, reproduce what God did this morning. And we, wouldn't, we're not, we don't have to try. That's the great thing about it. Uh, God doesn't mean every service to be the same. And, uh, and so we are going to give you a, a little bit more of a lesson tonight. Uh, but the truth is, some of our people are struggling right now, just struggling. The devil's been fighting. There's some, there's some burdens that you know about. There's some burdens that you don't know about. Uh, some of our dear people, some of our good folk, our solid, dedicated people are just really going through the fire right now. And, and then on top of all that, COVID-19 hits and uh, and uh, life totally changes. And, and so I want to, this week, God began to speak to my heart. I was actually uh, on a phone call with one of our people. And while I was talking to them, it seemed like the Holy Spirit was speaking to my heart. And so tonight, just for a few moments, I want to talk to you about this subject, what to do when you don't know what to do. And we're going to give you six things tonight. And since I'm going to give you six points, of course, I'll just be able to stay at each point just a little time and, uh, but I hope, you'll, I hope you'll hear me out tonight. And we find them all right here in Psalm 61. And so let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask God to help us, and we'll jump right into the Bible study tonight. Father, thank you so much for the privilege to be back in, in, in thy house. It is a privilege. It is an honor. Lord, there are even people in our nation who did not have the privilege to do what we're doing tonight. And then, Lord, we think about all those across the world that don't have the freedom, they, they don't enjoy the freedom that we enjoy here at Calvary Baptist Church. And uh, Lord, there are some who 
have no church to go to. They have to, to meet in their home or they have to meet in the woods or in a basement, a corner of the basement somewhere. They don't have necessarily a church building that they attend uh, in many countries. It's not allowed. And, and so, Lord, they, they met today with their family and maybe a few, uh, a, a few uh, friends. But here we are in America, and God, you have given us amazing freedom and amazing blessing. Father, in your mercy, would you please keep that freedom real and, and going forward for my grandbabies? God, I pray that my grandkids could grow up in a nation that's free and that loves the Lord. Father, I, I pray that you'd help our people tonight. Lord, there are a few here this evening. There's no problems. Everything's going great. But Lord, then there's, there, there's the other group. Lord, where there are problems and there are burdens tonight. And so just for a few moments, not long, but just for a few moments, I want to try to give them something from your word in Psalm 61 that will help them to know what to do when they don't know what to do. Lord, bless our discussion. Fill me with power. Bless your dear people, please. We love you. And we pray that Jesus will receive the glory and the praise and the honor from all that's done. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Psalm 61.1, the psalmist said, Hear my cry, O God. Attend unto my prayer. Notice verse 2. The psalmist said, From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. I'm really interested in verse number two tonight. We're going to go to uh, quite a few of the other verses, but I'm really interested in verse number two. When the psalmist mentions the word overwhelmed, it's the idea of something that's feeble. It means to faint, not like you would pass out and faint, but it means to be faint, to feel like you just can't put one foot in front of the other. You're faint. You feel like quitting. That's what he's talking about. It means feeble. It means faint. But I want to concentrate on this part. The word overwhelmed in verse number two means to envelop oneself. To envelop oneself. In other words, what David was saying was this. This problem is totally consuming me. It's all I can think about. It has enveloped me. We would say it like this. It is eating me up. It's just eating me up. I can't get it off my mind. Preacher, it's all I think about. I, I, I worry about it. I fret about it. I, I think about it. I can't sleep at night. That's exactly what David was saying. Uh, my heart is overwhelmed. This thing is, is really enveloping my very life. We notice here the psalmist actually felt as if he was at the end. In fact, he mentions that in verse number two. He says, from the end of the earth will I cry. The word end means border or brink or edge. In other words, again, the psalmist was saying this, I, I don't think I can go any further. What David was saying was this, I don't think it can get any worse. I'm literally at the end. I feel like I'm overwhelmed. I, I feel like this is about to, it, it's about to take me over. I, I feel like I'm not going to be able to go any further. And how many know tonight that life has a way of bringing us to that breaking point. And I don't know how many could testify or relate to what the psalmist is saying, but I got a feeling there's a few. In fact, I'm pretty sure of it. 
Some of you have come to me and you've told me about your problems. Others have not. But those who have not told me about your problems, you've got them. By the way, we've all got them. But people have come and, and they said, preacher, pray, pray, pray for this situation. Pray for my life. It seems like so many things are happening. So many things are unfolding and I don't understand it. And, uh, and you get to that point in your life and it seems like confusion sets in. And we know that the Bible says that the, that the Lord is not the author of confusion. And if God's not the author of confusion, we know who he is. But we come to that point where confusion sets in and then emotion takes over. And that's never a good thing when you get, become so emotional that your emotions begin to fuel you and your emotions begin to guide you. And so that's where the psalmist is. I went back and looked and we don't really know the history behind Psalm 61. Sometimes we do. We talked about Psalm 51 yesterday at the prayer meeting. We know the, the background behind Psalm 51. But when you come to Psalm 61, we're not exactly sure what was going on in David's life, whether it might be Absalom. When Absalom rebelled in, in the kingdom, we're not exactly sure what is going on. But we do know this, that David was at a breaking point. Uh, in essence, David was saying this, what do you do? when you just don't know what to do. And so tonight, quickly, I want to give you six thoughts, six things that you need to know so you can do these things when you don't know what to do. These things are some things that David did, and I want to show you some of those tonight if I could. How about this? Number one, we notice, first of all, that David invested some time in prayer. He invested some time in prayer one of the greatest things about problems is that they often improve your prayer life. And that's true, isn't it? Uh, nobody likes problems. Nobody likes burdens. None of us like those things that come into our life and we have no control over them. We like to be in control. We like to feel like uh, we're, we're sort of guiding our own life, but sometimes there are things that happen and, and there's no explanation and there's no reasoning and God doesn't explain. Sometimes God doesn't explain. Often God doesn't explain. Uh, and, uh, but, but, but what's great about the problems is that they often improve your prayer life. We don't know the history behind Psalm 61, but interesting, as you study on Psalm 61, there is one thing we know. We know that Psalm 61 was used in the morning. It was a morning psalm. When, they, when the Hebrew people sang Psalm 61, they would usually sing it in the morning. They would begin the day with Psalm 61. And that leads me to believe that David was careful to pray before he did anything else. The songwriter said it like this, Air, you left your room this morning. Did you think to pray? In the name of Christ our Savior, did you sue for loving favor as a shield today? Oh, how praying rests the weary. Prayer will change the night today. So in sorrow and in gladness, don't forget to pray. And let me tell you what's really sad, Calvary, a lot of times, is that we use prayer as our absolute last resort. How many times have we said this? Well, all I know to do now is just pray. Well, good, good friend, that was the thing we should have done first. Amen. Was pray. Man, just, just pray. Uh, and, and David is here in Psalm 61, and he doesn't know what to do. He doesn't know why these things are happening in his life. We're not exactly sure what's going on, but David said, I'm at the end. David said, I'm overwhelmed. 
David said, there's things about to overtake me. I, I can't get it off my mind. I can't sleep at night. But we notice here that David was careful to spend some time in prayer. Let me make a statement tonight. And the statement is this. If you come away from the problem, having a greater walk with God, then the problem was well worth the pain. <laughs> now, you may have to mature just a little bit in the Lord to come to that place, but I'm just, I, I, I know, I know, we don't like problems, we don't like change. We don't like things to come in our life that we don't control. We can't control those things, but the truth of the matter is, good things happen to good people, but bad things happen to, to good people. And sometimes it, it sunshines on us and sometimes it rains and, and sometimes we're footloose, footloose and fancy free and at other times it just seems like everything is falling apart. But during that problem, if you, if you learn to pray, if you learn to get in your prayer closet and pour your heart out to God, I'm promising you this, if you learn how to pray, the problem was well worth the pain. I thought about a number of years ago when my wife, my wife became seriously ill and started having seizures and, and having some very serious health issues. And uh, up until that time, we were pretty healthy, pretty healthy. We don't go to the doctor very much at all, thank the Lord. And we've only been in the hospital just, I mean, honestly, just a, very scarcely in our life. And, uh, but Miss Tammy, got, she got really, really sick. And one of the things that we realized that we did not realize before is that physicians practice medicine. They call it a practice. There's a reason they call it that. And by the way, I'm not knocking doctors. Thank God we have doctors. And thank God that we have men that have uh, knowledge in, in, in health and, and welfare and all those kind of things. But one of the things we realized as my wife was going through this and we were taking her to doctor after doctor, that oftentimes the doctors looked at us and they would examine her and they would run tests on her and then they would come back to us and they would say, we don't know what's going on. We don't know why these things are happening. We don't know why she's sick. And time and time again, we would go to a doctor and he would say, I don't understand. And, and they would give a, a certain medication and that medication wouldn't work. And, uh, and, and it was problem after problem after problem. But I can tell you one thing, that one of the things that did was it drove me to the prayer closet more than ever before. And I learned how to walk with God. And, and by the way, I'm not saying that I'm there. I'm saying that I've arrived. I've I, I, not yet apprehended, but I would say this, that, 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 that my relationship with Jesus uh, grew stronger and I learned how to pray and, and although I don't want to go back there ever and I wouldn't wish that upon anybody I can, also, I can now say thank God that God brought us through that thing because it helped me to learn how to pray and to talk to God what do you do when you don't know what to do we notice first of all that David invested some time in prayer but I like this second one number two we see that he comforted himself in God's power. Now look at Psalm 61, verse number two. David said, from the end of the earth will I cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Oh, yes. Then David said, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. I will abide in thy tabernacle forever. I will trust in the, in the covert of thy wings. And then he uses that little word, selah. It's a pause. 
in the, in the Psalms. It's a pause. And it, it basically means this. It's a rest. It says stop and reflect back on what you just read. And so David said, I'm, I'm at the end. I'm feeling overwhelmed. But this is so beautiful because David comes to this point in his life and David says, this doesn't make any sense to me. If you would have went to David and said, David, why are all these things happening? I'm sure that David would have said, I have no, I have no reason why. I have no understanding. But David did understand this. He understood that God was higher than he was. And he understood that God had a plan. And he understood that God had the power to bring him through. And David comforted himself in the power of God. I remember many, many years ago, Brother Howes used to tell that story about when he was growing up at home. And just a, a, a really just a little ghetto, a, a little ghetto-bound kid pretty much. And his daddy had left him. And, uh, and his dad was alcoholic and had left him. And he said his mom was raising him. And, and he said his mom loved to cross stitch. And he said sometimes for hours at night, she would sit and rock in the rocking chair and she would cross stitch. And Brother Howell said as a little boy, he said, I'd run over to mom. And mom's she's engulfed in this cross stitching. And Brother Howell said as a little boy, I'd look up. And, and of course, you ladies know on the bottom of that, it just looks like a, a bunch of strings and a bunch of threads that are all sort of mingled and mashed together. And Brother House would say, Mama, what are you doing? And she would say, now, honey, you let Mama, let Mama finish. And he would look up and he would say, Mama, you're making an awful mess. And she would say, well, now, now sweetie, you go ahead and run off and play. And a little bit later, I'll let you come back and see what Mama's doing. And he would go off, you know, and play for a little bit. And then he would think about it and he'd run back. And he'd look up, you know, and he'd say, Mama, what are you doing? Mama, why are you doing that? Mama, why are you making such a mess? I mean, Mama, that's a mess. That's not pretty. That's a mess. Why are you doing that? And she'd say, Honey, now you go on. You go on and leave Mommy alone and let Mommy do her thing. And after a while, I'll let you come back. And sure enough, she would spend some time doing that. And then she would say, uh, Honey, come on over here. And she would take her little boy and she would put him up on her lap. And whereas from the bottom it looked like a mangled mess of threads and strings and colors, you know what? From mama's perspective, it was totally different. It was a beautiful picture of a sunset or a beautiful rose in bloom. But the perspective made all the difference in the world. And sometimes things unfold in our life. Right now, I'm preaching to somebody right now and things are unfolding in your life. And sometimes we look up to God and we say, God, why are you doing this? Why are you letting this happen? I don't understand this. God, don't you know you're making an awful mess? And God says, child of God, you just go on your way and you just live for me and trust me. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. You just trust me. You just trust me. And I'll promise you something, child of God, that God's not making a mess in your life. If God is doing something, it's for your good. It's for your profit. And God is going to bless you in a great way. But you can comfort yourself tonight, regardless of where you are, what you're going through, you can comfort yourself in the power of the living God tonight. Now hold your place at Psalm 61. But I want you to turn over with me, please, to the book of Job. Job chapter 22. I'm sorry, Job 23. And we notice that Job 
And Job was going through all of these things in his life. He's lost his prosperity. He's lost his children. He's lost his homes. He's lost his livestock. He's lost his health. All 10 of his kids are gone. And we notice here that although Job did not understand what God was doing, we do notice that Job comforted himself in the power of the living God. Look at Job 23 and verse number two. Boy, have you ever been here? And Job said in verse number two, even today is my complaint bitter. He said, my stroke is heavier than my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him. I might come even, that I might come even to his seat. Now skip down to verse number eight. And Job said, behold, I go forward, but he's not there. And backward, but I cannot perceive him. On the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. And Job said, he hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. In other words, Calvary, what Job is saying is this. It doesn't make any sense. Job, why did you lose all 10 kids? Job said, I don't understand it. Job, why is your health gone? Job said, I don't know. Job, why have you lost your, your friends and your homes and your belongings and your servants and your livestock? And, and Job said, I've searched and I've searched, but I have no explanation. I don't understand it. But he didn't stop there, did he? Look what he said. Job chapter 23 and verse number nine, on the left hand where he doth work, but I cannot behold him. He hideth himself on the right hand that I cannot see him. But look at verse 10. He said, but he knoweth the way that I take. When he hath tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And Job said, no, I don't understand. But he understands. And all I need to know is he understands and my dear friends, sometimes we can't track it, but I'm glad I can tell you you can trust. Amen. And the songwriter said it like this, my Lord knows the way through the wilderness. All I have to do is follow. Strength for today is mine all the way and all that I need for tomorrow. My Lord knows the way through the wilderness. Listen, you're going through some things right now and you say, preacher, I, I don't get it. I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to be faithful to church. I've tried to read my Bible. I've tried to bring my kids to church. And yet it seems like, it seems like everything's crumbling. You say, preacher, can you explain it? I cannot. Can you explain it? You cannot. But I'll tell you what you can do. You can comfort yourself in the power of the living God. And understand that God has a plan and God has a purpose. Number one, he invested some time in prayer. Number two, he comforted himself in God's power quickly. Number three, what to do when you don't know what to do. Number three, we notice that David surrounded himself with God's people. Look at Psalm 61, verse number five. David said, for thou, O God, hast heard my vows. Thou hast given me the heritage of those that fear thy names. Now, I'm not gonna stay here but just a moment. But I want to say this to our church. Did you know one of the worst mistakes you'll ever make when experiencing a problem is to quit church? Amen. We say, preacher, I, you know, I, I figured you'd say that because you're the pastor. And I'm not saying that because I'm the pastor. Truth is, church, don't take this wrong. 
Truth is, the church is going to go on with you or without you. God's church is going to go forward. God's already promised that. Now, we'd rather have you here. We'd rather have you here and see God working in your life. But to remove yourself from a congregation that loves you and encourages you and pours into your life, I'm going to tell you, it's one of the most dangerous mistakes that you'll ever make in your life. It never, listen, it never works out good. And I know that everybody's got it figured out. Everybody's like, well, I don't preach it, but you know, and they've got A, B, C, and D and all these kind of things. Uh, but truth of the matter is, church, it just never works out. It, uh, you know, uh, you can try this, this thing and that thing and this plan and, and this kind of thing, but it, it's just amazing that when we remove ourselves from the house of God, from the church of God, uh, it, it, it's amazing how it begins to take a toll on our life. And can I remind us of this, that the enemy always seeks to exclude us from the crowd. Amen. Even just a week or so ago, there was a documentary that came on and it was about lions, and that's my weakness. And I started watching this thing, and it was crazy interesting. And I'm watching this pride of, of uh, lions in the bush, and it was telling them about how they hunt. And so they will, one female will circle on the outside. She'll keep watch over there. Another female will circle over here, and, and they'll keep an eye out over here. And they put a little bit of pressure on the herd to get the herd sort of moving. They don't really spook them and run them off, but they just, they just sort of let them know they're there. Gets the herd sort of moving. And then those lines wait. They wait for that one buffalo or that one little calf who when the herd begins to move, they stay behind. They've got to have one more drink of water. Or, or whatever the case may be. And they wait for that, that animal to get excluded from the pack. And that is when they attack. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant. Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about, walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. Listen to me. You're here tonight and you, you, you get away from the pack. You get away from the group. You get away from the crowd. Please understand something that the devil is not, to, uh, he, he's not to, uh, fooled at what you're doing. He's watching you. He's examining your life. He's got you under the microscope. And when he sees you get away from the crowd, he sees you get away from the preaching. He sees you get away from the music. He sees you get away from the fellowship. That is exactly what he's waiting on. That's exactly what he wants. And you can guarantee that is when the enemy is getting ready to attack. Now take your Bibles, turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter number 10 tonight. And this is without a doubt the reason that the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10 gave us a very strong admonition. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 23. Hebrews 10, verse 23. And the writer said this, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works, not 
forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. And I know we're living in turbulent times and troublesome times and I know that you've got burdens and I know that you've got cares and I know that you've got problems, but oh listen, can I, out of a heart of love tonight, can I encourage you to stay with the pack, to, to stay with the house of God, to, to stay in here in the will of God and don't let anything, don't let anything get you away from the house of the Lord. He invested some time in prayer. He comforted himself in God's power. He surrounded himself with God's people. Now watch now. Go back to Psalm 61. Next of all, we notice this. Number four, what do you do when you don't know what to do? Number four, we notice that David strengthened himself on truth prepared. Psalm 61, verse number seven. The psalmist said, he shall abide before God forever, all prepare mercy and truth which may preserve him. Now listen, Calvary. I'm just gonna stay here just a minute. When you're going through the problems of life, when you're going through troublesome times, be sure that you spend some time reading God's precious and preserved word. And here's the reason. Because God has prepared some truth just for you, just for you. God is not just gonna speak to your preacher. And I'm glad you're here tonight and I want you to come for preaching, but don't wait for preaching time to start getting in your word, in, in the word of God. Man, you dig and devour and eat and, and saturate your life and your mind and your family and your home and your marriage and, and everything saturated with the Word of God. But understand something, that when you're going through the hard, hard times of life, if you get in this blessed book right here, God Almighty has got you something prepared that's gonna be a tremendous blessing in your life. Years ago, when I was working in upholstery, it was family, family-run business. My father-in-law started that business many, many years ago. And just about all of our family, at one time or another, worked in the business. And anyway, I would work down there. And Mamaw, who was not my, really not my, my Mamaw, was my wife's grandmother. But we called her Mamaw, and she was just like a grandma to me. And every day, every single day, Mamma, she worked down there also. She sewed and she was seamstress down there. And every day, every day, Mamma would prepare lunch for everyone who worked down there. And I'm not talking about a peanut butter sandwich. I mean, every day we would have, it was crazy, the stuff that she would fix. But often this was the case as we would get ready to break for lunch and I would go up to the house Mamma would say, I got something special today. <laughs> I got something you like today. Well, she knew. Well, she knew I liked all her food. But anyway, she knew that I loved her barbecue chicken, but I mean, goodness. I mean, that stuff was so great. And often we'd go up to the house and Mamma, I'm talking about on a Tuesday or a Thursday, I mean, no special occasion. And she'd say, I got something for you. I made something for you. And, uh, and man, she'd have a spread. She'd have barbecue chicken and biscuits and mashed potatoes and, uh, and, and all these things. I can remember one time my brother-in-law and I, 
were, we were on a diet and we were really doing good. I was so proud of myself. I, I, I was really administering some self-control and I came up to eat that day and Mamma had a spread and, and she said, I made something. She said, I made a blackberry pie. Oh, brother. <laughs> I mean, that's the ultimate temptation, blackberry pie. And then she said, and I've got some vanilla ice cream. And now that day after lunch, I pushed away from the table. I went over to the living room, sat down for a little bit. And she said, are you not going to get any dessert? I said, Mambo, I can't. I can't. I, we're, I'm on a diet. I can't. I can't eat that. I pushed away from that table. Thanking God that God gave me an amazing amount of self-control that day. I walked around, sat down in one of the chairs. I was living. I felt so good about myself. And I thought, yes, I did it. I did it. And about that time, a plate came in front of my face with a piece of blackberry pie and vanilla ice cream sitting on the top of it. You say, preacher, what did you do? None of your business. Amen. None of your business. <laughs> well, I would tell you this. My self-control went out the window that day. Now, wait a minute now. I said that to, uh, for a point. Often we would go up to the house and Mamma would have something special prepared for us. You're here tonight, you're going through, you're going through a, a, a turbulent time. There's some of you here tonight, you say, Preacher, I don't even know what I'm gonna do tomorrow. I don't know how to put one step in front of the other. I'm gonna preach your life's not making sense. I'm so burdened, preacher. I've cried myself to sleep so many nights. I've wet my pillow with tears. I've cried out to God. I don't know what to do. i tell you what y'all to do. Get in this book right here. And I'm telling you, just when you need it, God is going to slide something in front of you. And he's going to say, I've got something specially prepared for you. Wait, listen, don't you miss what God has for you in his blessed word. Amen. He invested some time in prayer. He comforted himself in God's power. He surrounded himself with God's people. He strengthened himself on truth prepared. We're almost done. Number five, church. We notice here that David was careful to vocalize praise. Look at verse eight. Psalm 61, eight, here David is. David said, I'm overwhelmed. This problem is enveloping me. David said, I'm at the end I'm at the breaking point. I'm at the border. That's what he's saying. I'm at the border. My, my, my rope is about to break. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. But in verse number eight, David said, So will I sing praise unto thy name forever. I know to the world this doesn't make sense. But if you're going through some hard times tonight, can I just encourage you to do this? Take some time. And just have a praise break. Just call a timeout. Just call a timeout. And say, I've got problems on this side. I've got problems on this side. They're in front of me. They're behind me. 
I don't know what I'm going to do. Don't know what I'm going to say. Hey, just take a time out and say, I know one thing. I don't have all the answers, but I know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to stop. I'm going to praise the Lord. I'm just going to praise the Lord. You see, you can praise him on your bad days and you can praise him on your good days. You see, he's good on your good days, but I got great news. He's good on your bad days, on your very worst day, on your very darkest day. He's the same God. He's the same good God. He's the same loving God. He's the same merciful God. Hey, there's no variableness in him, neither shadow of turning. He's an immutable God. He loves you just as much today as he did yesterday. His mercies are just as new today as they were yesterday. His faithfulness is just as great today as it was yesterday. And just take a little time, just take a little break and say, hey, it's a bad day. I mean, it looks like the the world's caving in on top of me, but I'm just going to stop and I'm just going to praise the Lord. Praise. Did you ever feel like Satan was camping out at your house. (laughs) Now, I said something about this other night. Probably not. But sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes it feels like he just won't leave you alone. I mean, sometimes it's problem upon problem. You're already having an issue, and then, lo and behold, if something else doesn't break, something else doesn't happen, and the devil comes, and the devil... Seems like he won't leave you alone. Listen, Calvary, that's exactly the time that you need to praise the Lord. If you want the devil to flee, let me tell you one thing he cannot stand. He cannot stand praise. Now take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to Revelation chapter 12. We got one short, one more short point. We're done tonight. Revelation chapter 12 And look at verse number 11. Revelation chapter 12 and verse number 11. And the Bible says this in verse 11, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. When you are going through the fire, just take a little time and testify. Man, put on... Put, put on some great song that just lights your fire. I don't know what was going on the other day. Zach was just, just blowing my phone up, sending me video after video. He's been a little homesick here lately. And he was watching videos. I don't know if this was the reason. He was watching videos of North Carolina and camp meetings in North Carolina. And he was sending me video after video. He sent me a video of the Dagenhart family singing over in the camp meeting in Taylorsville. And they were singing nothing but the blood. And man, I got to listen to that song. And I'm telling you, buddy, heaven came down. And so last night, we had worked here all day long. And I was on my, home, my way home last night. And I was, I was tired and 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 I was going to preach today, and, and I thought, Lord, I need something. I, I need I need a jump start. I need something tonight. And so I'm going down the road, man. I I called that video up, and and I just laid it down there in the console. Well, they begin to sing about the blood of Jesus Christ, and man, people begin to shout, and I begin to shout, and God begin to speak to my heart, and man, I begin to praise the Lord. And I'm just telling you, when you're going through a hard time, make sure that you take a little time and, and give a testimony, and take a little time and give some praise to the Lord. And I'll promise you this, that the devil don't want to be around anywhere where people are praising God. And so the psalmist said, it's a dark day. But I'm going to vocalize some praise. We're done tonight. What do you do? 
when you don't know what to do. Number one, he invested some time in prayer. He comforted himself in God's power. He surrounded himself with God's people. He strengthened himself on truth prepared. He was careful to vocalize praise, but I love this. I love it. We notice here he determined to continue his performance. Did y'all see that in Psalm 61.8? Did y'all see that? Psalm 61.8. David, don't forget now what David said in verse 2. He said, from the ends of the earth, when, I, when my heart is overwhelmed, David says, I'm at the end. So verse 8, he says, so will I sing praise unto thy name forever. I love the last part. That I may daily perform my vows. In other words, David said, I'm going to do those things that I know that I need to do. In other words, David said, are things falling apart? They feel like it. Is it a dark day? It is. David, things going like you want them to go? David said, no. I'm feeling pretty overwhelmed tonight. But David said this, I'm going to keep on going. Somebody said, never despair. Never despair. But if you do, go on in despair. Child of God, as your pastor tonight, can I encourage you, don't you quit. Don't you quit. Amen. Don't you quit. You say, but preacher, it's so bad. You dig your heels in tonight. You run to this altar if you have to. You grab somebody and ask them to come and pray with you if you need to. But you get on this altar and you say, God, give me what I need, but don't let me quit. Don't let me quit. I'm going to keep on going. There's probably a few tonight. There's probably a few here tonight that ought to go home tonight and take your dictionary out and take a pair of scissors and you need to cut the word quit out of the dictionary. And just say, yes, it's a dark day. Yes, it's a bad day. Yes, there's problems. Yes, there's burdens. But by the grace of God, I will not quit on the Lord. I'm not going to quit. What are you preaching, preacher? I'm preaching this. You continue to read your Bible. You continue to pray. Continue to be faithful to church. Continue to be kind to people. Continue to work your job. Continue to give your tithe. Continue to share Christ with others. Those things that you know that you ought to do, even when you're going through the down times. You keep doing what you know you ought to do. I love it. He determined to continue his performance. Preachers to tell the story about a group of young people. One afternoon they were driving down Highway 394 there in Indiana. I've been on that highway many, many times. And it was dangerous when I was there, but it was much dangerous than that before. There wasn't much room between the oncoming lane of traffic and back in that day, they didn't always have medians in between. And Brother House said that people were, some, uh, were, were some people, and there was a head-on collision. And some of the young people were, uh, were, were severely hurt, but one specifically, her name was Karen. And Karen, they came, and Karen's body was broken and bleeding. They rushed up to Dyer Mercy Hospital, <clears throat> been right through there many, many times, and they called her parents and 
And they said, she's got multiple broken bones. She may be bleeding internally. And they said, folks, we're not even going to set the bones. There's no reason to. We're just, she's not going to make it. We're just going to let her, we're just going to let her pass. They called the preacher. The preacher came and they told, they told the preacher that. And I don't know why. I guess the Lord spoke to his heart. He said, can I see her? And they said, well, I suppose. Brother House said he went back in that room. She was laying on that bed covered in blood. Bones broken and disjointed. She was in a coma. And Brother House said he got down beside Karen, got down beside her ear, and he said, Karen, this is preacher. Karen, you've been in a bad accident. And the doctors are telling us you're not going to make it. But Karen, I say you can. Karen, 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 I'm, I'm telling you, you can, Karen. You can. They're saying, saying that you can't make it, but you can. You can. And he began, to, he began to speak those words into her ears. Several hours passed. She didn't pass. Uh, she made it through the night. The doctors could not understand what was going on. They came to the parents and said, we don't understand it. It doesn't make any sense to us. But since she's still here, we're going to go ahead and we're going to do some surgery. We're going to set the bones. We're going to cast her and put some, you know, try to fix what we can. But she's probably not going to make it. Brother House came back that next day and he went back there to that ICU room and he got down beside the bed and he got up to her ear and he said, Karen, this is preacher. Karen, they're saying you're not going to make it. But Karen, you can. Karen, are you hearing me? This is preacher, you can. You can. Hey, Karen, you can. Karen, you can. Karen, are you listening? You can. She made it another day. And then another. And then another. And another. And another. They had cleaned her up by now. They had set all the broken bones, casted those broken bones. And then after several days, guess what? Karen woke up. And every day, Brother Howes would come back before she was conscious and he would say, Karen, you can. Karen, you can. Karen, you can. Karen, you can. Karen got better after weeks and weeks and weeks. And she finally came back to church on a Sunday morning. She was sitting out in the audience. She got one of the ushers and she... She wrote a little note and she said, would you take this up to the platform and give this to the preacher? And the guys passed it down to the preacher and he opened this little note and it said, dear preacher, I did. Signed, Karen. Hey, church member, you can. You can. You say, preacher, you don't know what I'm going through. You can. You can. Feeling overwhelmed? Feeling like you're at the end? Feeling like nothing's making sense? You can. Don't quit. Keep going forward. You say, Pastor, just keep going forward and trust the Lord. I wonder how many tonight need to hit this altar and say, Lord, I'm not quitting on you. 
by the grace of Almighty God, I'm not going to quit. I wonder how many people tonight need to get on this altar and say, Lord, I don't understand what's going on, but I understand that you understand. And I'm going to, be, I'm going to comfort myself in your power. Father, it doesn't make any sense to me, but I know when I come through this, I'll come forth as gold. Hey, church, let's do business with the Lord tonight. Let's all stand all over the house. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll bring the increase. I know that some of our dear people here are going through the fire like they have never went through it in their life. Lord, and not everybody knows, and they've not told a lot of people, but there's some very heavy hearts here tonight. Lord, there's some folks here in this house tonight that are wondering what the world are going to do. Lord, how they're going to make it tomorrow. Father, what's life going to What's life going to bring tomorrow? Lord, I pray tonight that you would comfort them. I pray, God, that you would give them what they need to keep going and going and going until the Lord Jesus Christ returns for us. Father, have your way in the invitation. Save that one that's lost. Encourage that one that's saved. And we pray you'd work tonight. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. If you need to come, the altar's open tonight. You just tiptoe down here and find a place. If you're here tonight and you are struggling and you need someone to pray with you, then don't hesitate to let us know. We'll be glad to, we'll be glad to reach out and pray with you tonight. Hey, listen, if you see somebody come to the altar tonight, maybe you ought to go over there with them. You don't have to know what they're praying about necessarily, but maybe you could just go close by and just pray with them and just ask God to, to work in their life. What about it tonight? What about it? I feel almost positive there's somebody here tonight, an old smutty face has come your way and he said, you know what? You ought to just quit. Just throw in the towel. It's not worth it. But tonight you'd come and say, Lord, if you'll give me the wherewithal, I'm going to keep on keeping on. Folks are coming. Folks are coming. Folks are coming. What to do when you don't know what to do?